What's up, you crazy bastards? Welcome to another week of E-Crime Bites. This is where I research the court documentation and roast the criminals so you don't have to. All right, so this week, this is season three, episode eight. This one is, I'm calling this, and this is straight out of the press, the largest CIA data breach. Okay, we're just going to jump right into this one, and I'm going to just introduce you to the criminal in this case. His name is Joshua Adam Schult, S-C-H-U-L-T-E. Now, I'm just going to be calling him Josh or Joshua throughout here because I do a lot of voice to text for my closed captions and just saying his last name, it's going to murder it. And I'm going to have to just edit it every single time. And we're just going to call him Joshua from here on out. So just, just hang, hang with me. So Joshua, he, between the years of 2012 and 2016, he was a software developer at this place called the Cy center of cyber intelligence. And this is at the CIA and they conduct offensive cyber operations. And what this means is like, cyber espionage to terrorist organizations, um, cyber espionage of foreign governments, the stuff that you would think of if you were making a movie about spies, right? So in, Josh, he worked there. He worked in this group, uh, the CCI. I'll just call them the CCI group from now on or the CIA. So in this group that he worked, they worked on tools. And as you can imagine, if you're not a computer person, people attack each other on the internet all the time. They try to exploit vulnerabilities in your phones or your um, laptops. You can imagine if you have something like an iPhone, every few weeks you get something that says, hey, you gotta update your phone. And that's because there's all these vulnerabilities that security researchers like me might find in those products, okay? That's the above ground in the news cybersecurity world that I just gave to you there. That's the tip of the iceberg. So underneath the water here, there are people that use these exploits to their advantage. And sometimes they're criminals, you know, as somebody trying to break into a corporation and steal their money. And in other cases, it's intelligence organiza organizations trying to do operations against terrorist organizations or other foreign organizations, right? So to do all this, they need tools. They need tools to exploit these exploits that happen in these systems, the things that you have to patch on a monthly basis that annoy you, well, there's people out there that will write tools to exploit those things if you don't patch them, okay? That's why it's important for you to patch them is because if those vulnerabilities exist and somebody writes an exploit for it and they exploit it, that's that could be game over for you, right? This is the type of group that writes these exploits for spies to do these kinds of things. This is what we're talking about here throughout this whole episode. I'm just trying to set the stage for you. They will have not only just intelligence, if you think of the CIA, but they have tools to exploit networks and computers in order to gain intelligence. Okay, I hope you're with me so far. So, in addition to working on 
software development duties on these tools, Josh, he also was temporarily an administrator for one of the servers that hosts a bunch of tools. So not just his tools, but tools that other developers in the CIA would be writing alongside him. Okay. So you can imagine it's not just him writing these exploits. It might be a hundred versions of him writing these exploits and they're all storing it somewhere on a server that now Josh temporarily, temporarily will have administrative access to. This all becomes important later on. Okay. So somewhere along the lines of March, 2016, I read that Josh was moved out of, or he was like moved within branches of the CCI group within the CIA because he had personal disputes with somebody else, some other developer. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, they had a beef with each other. Um, who knows what happened? Maybe it went to HR and then it sounds like Josh was moved and who knows what happened to the other person. Now, you know, I was going to crack a joke. Maybe he died. Uh, it's a CIA. Who knows? Right. I'm just joking. All right. So after he was transferred, okay, it sounds like he wasn't supposed to have this administrative access anymore that I just told you about. So what does he do when he needs it? And he's going to need it in a minute. I'm going to tell you why. But he abuses it and finds a way to get administrative access when he's not supposed to have it. Okay. So because of this, there's in the cybersecurity world, you can put some measures in place sometimes to detect when things like this happen, when abnormalities like this happen. And I imagine, and I'm just reading between the lines of the court documentation here, there was something that alerted somebody that wasn't Josh and they said, Hey, he has administrative access. And they probably looked up and went, Oh, well, shit, that guy's not supposed to have administrative access. So they did whatever process it is in the CIA. They darted him and poisoned him and killed him and pushed him in the river. Just joking. No, they went and talked to him. <laughs> what they said in the court documentation, they went and talked to him and they said, listen, motherfucker, no more of this shit. We saw you. Okay. We saw you switch to administrator, even though we took your administrative access away. No more of that. No more becoming administrator. We know that you're in cybersecurity and you guys can do that magical shit and just turn yourself into administrator. We're telling you now, don't do that anymore. We're taking it away and don't do it anymore. Okay. So that's important here. This is going to be important to the case later on. So that happens before they take it away. What does he do? He secretly opened another administrative session before. So you can imagine he had a couple sessions, right? So they knew of session a, and they're like, bad boy, you were administrator. And they took that session a away, but he's like, he, 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 I had session B over here. You didn't even know about it. So now he's still administrative. Uh, he has that administrative access to this important server that it has all these tools that the CIA would use against people like Osama bin Laden. If they had to break into the computer network, assuming that there was a computer network for Osama bin Laden, but you get what I'm saying, right? All right. So, um, there a couple points here. The group that Josh worked in sounds like it wasn't a ton of people. It was like three, four, five people that were within his, 
his physical vicinity, meaning the office he went to, if he were to turn and try to punch somebody, he could only punch a handful of people. Okay. It wasn't like he was working in a room of thousands or hundreds or even tens of people. It sounds like it was very segmented and very compartmentalized. Okay. And this is also important because when Josh is doing stuff on his computer, that means people aren't really paying attention because there's not very many people in there, right? You might have like a guy in a corner over here. Another guy has his monitor turned over there and you're like that fucker over there. That's he's surfing porn. That he, that's the only reason people at work will turn their monitor. So you can't see them. They're surfing porn on, on work time. It has to be. But anyways, there's only like three or four people there. So even if they each took a corner of the room, you can pretty much hide everything you do on a computer monitor. And nobody's going to be like, Josh, Josh, are you doing something you're not supposed to? Which is, yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff he's not supposed to in this case. So with all that background, here we get to the meat. Okay, here's the meat of the story. Josh uses, well, first of all, all the other developers... They went home. I don't know if it was like, you know, Christmas party and everybody takes off and he's like, I'll stay around and I'll clean up guys. Don't worry. I'll be here. And they all left thinking nothing of it. Josh sits down. He uses his super secret server administrative session that I just told you about that nobody knows about that they said you shouldn't even have. And he executes a series of, and I had to say this verbatim from the court paperwork because I've not... I know I've probably seen this before, but it's such a, oh my gosh, it's such a cringy, cringy phrase that I got to say it. You ready? He executed a series of cyber maneuvers on the CIA network. And to a computer person like me, when you say something like that, I got to make fun of you. I got to make fun of you. Cyber maneuvers. Oh my God. I felt like I was back in the early 2000s watching CSI. It's horrible. Anyways. That's that's what they said. He did a series of cyber maneuvers on the CIA network to restore his revoked privileges, break into the backups, steal copies of the entire CCI tool development archives, revert the network back to his prior state, and then delete hundreds of logs in an attempt to cover his tracks. Okay, let that sink in for a minute. So what he did, if none of that made sense to you, because let's say you're not a computer person. I know I have a segment of my audience that just come in just for the true crime. And I'm going to try to explain this as much as possible. Hey, listen, if any of this stuff is confusing, just drop a comment. I don't, if I get feedback, I try to, I try to do better on the next episode. So if something's not clear and you're like, I don't know what the hell that guy was trying to say, ask a question in the comment and I will answer it. I answer almost every Nice comment I can, I can. And even some of the mean comments I answer if they're if they're obviously not spam bots, all right? Those are the only ones I don't if I don't answer you it's because I think you're spam basically. <laughs> okay? So what happened is Josh sat down with no supervision, got administrative access on a very important resource in the CIA, stole all the tools that are able to break into other people's computers and phones and things that they wouldn't even know that you broke in because this is a classified environment. Okay. This is not a, a commercial environment. People don't know that these things exist and he stole them all, all at once. And here's a very important thing to my technical friends watching. He stole it from a backup server. Backup servers sometimes are the least 
guarded servers out there that have the most amount of important information because people want to save the most important information in case there's something that breaks, right? And a lot of times people forget about the backup server as a security practice in comparison to things like their web server and these other more important servers that the public sees. Well, you get your hands on a backup server like Josh did in this, in this episode, you're going to see that it becomes the largest CIA data breach. And in my opinion, that backup server is the reason this does become the largest CIA data breach up until the point that I'm recording this podcast. So hopefully there's not a bigger one and you're watching back going, that guy, he's wrong. He's wrong. There was a bigger one. This is the, the biggest one I know about at this time. All right. So Josh, then he doesn't stop there. He goes home. Okay. Listen, just when you think this case is over, Josh goes on and does on more stuff. Okay. So he's at home now and it's not like he sits on it. He doesn't go to Russia and try to sell them. Like we saw in previous episodes, you know, back up. I got a lot of episodes where people have stolen stuff from classified environments and they try to sell it to other nations. He doesn't do that here. He transmits the stolen CIA files to WikiLeaks. And if you're not familiar with WikiLeaks, they're a place online where whistleblowers can go to give that whistleblown information to the public. Okay. And I'm trying to leave opinions out here because people feel strongly for or against WikiLeaks. I, I, I'm kind of in the middle on it. You know, you kind of need, you need the whistleblowing, but you need to be careful with classified information. Like we're talking about in this environment. So what happens is Josh sends this classified information to WikiLeaks, which is not a classified environment, not even a U.S. company or organization, okay? <laughs> and he used tools, we know this later because of the investigation, but he used tools that WikiLeaks said to use if you're going to be sending important shit over the internet, like the Tails operating system and the Tor browser both of which are used to try to cover who is on the other, the initiating side of a lot of these communications. Now, on May 5th, 2016, Josh is like, I've sent everything that I stole to WikiLeaks. I should probably cover my tracks, right? Yeah, I don't want to be caught. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to have the feds bust in my door and have a bunch of data on my computer, right? So let's delete that shit. So there's this term that we will call, we will use. It's a technical term. It's called wipe. And in the computer realm, what it means is to take every spot that data can be written on your hard drive and overwrite it with something else. So with the way that computers work is typically when they delete things, they don't really delete it. They're just like, I don't care about it anymore. It's kind of like you leave the book on the shelf. You just don't go back and ever pick up the book again until you need the spot. Then you throw away the book and put a new book there. That's kind of how computers work. So what you can do is go to every spot that is open and put a new book there basically. So take out all the old books and put new books there. So what it means is if you have open space on your hard drive, it's going to write something there, write a new file, just random stuff like Shakespearean 
literature across it. So that way, when it's deleted later on, if somebody else tries to undelete it, they're just going to see the Shakespeare and go, what the fuck was this guy? Okay, well, he wasn't looking at classified material. He was reading Shakespeare all work the whole time, right? That That's what can happen here. So Josh, knowing this, he will he wiped his home, home computer trying to get rid of any type of evidence that he could. Okay, so that shows that he knows that it's wrong. Not only that, but I mean, I think even the most craziest person ever would look at classified information and go, I probably shouldn't give that to the public. And if I do, I'll get in trouble for it. Okay, so Josh doesn't stop there. In November 2016, he resigns from the CIA. Okay, and and prior to resigning, it wasn't like he just resigned. He was like, hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for the time. Uh, You know, you know, thank you. Thank you for all the time that I spent here. No, he was like, fuck you guys. Fuck all of you because I had a dispute with people and management mistreated me because of that that dispute so i'm pissed off and he's like telling all his co-workers and stuff this according to the court documentation on his way out so think he's disgruntled okay at this point he's leaving and disgruntled this should be this should be sending up red flags i hope where he works now wikileaks has this information josh has quit march 7th 2017 wikileaks starts publishing it and it's the biggest public leak of classified information of all time, okay? And there were 26 disclosures of classified data on WikiLeaks, which is anyone, anybody in the public of any nation can go there and, and see this stuff. And they called it the Vault 7 and Vault 8 disclosures, okay? And that's sort of the code names for... Um, these repositories that were stolen that were then released to the public through WikiLeaks. Okay, so you can imagine the government one day was probably sitting down and reading the paper when, oh shit, uh, guys, all our CIA tools just got leaked to everybody on WikiLeaks. Did, did anybody else see that? And everybody else came into work and was like, yes, yes, we saw that too. So they started an investigation immediately, immediately. And they wanted to figure out who stole the information. And now this is, there's some points in here where I was like, this is pretty cool how they, how they did this investigation. First of all, they said they, they quickly identified who the suspect was. It was Joshua. Okay. They said that they identified him quickly because when they looked at the tools that were released, they started basically correlating on their network. They're like, where are the spots? All these tools show up. Oh, well, there is this server over here that has all the tools on it. And then there's this other server, this backup server over here that backs up the tool server. That's obviously where this should have come from, right? And then you follow the chain of the investigation. The next thing is, who has access to this server? And they looked and they said it was a very small number of system administrators who had access to the server. And then they started looking and they said, who had access in the time frame that we care about? And I'm going to spare you the details, but there's some investigation that happened that was pretty clever. And they looked at the time date stamps of these tools and they ended at a particular date. And the way they ended, they said, this kind of looks like 
this kind of looks like it ends at the end of a day every day. And geez, that kind of looks like a backup. And they said, who else has, you know, access? they basically, that led them to the backup server, right? So just looking at the time and dates on the tools themselves led them to the backup server, which is another piece of evidence that they looked at and they said, who else has access to this? And when you do the correlation between um, servers that different people would have access at the relevant point in time, the numbers of people that are suspects, it's like a Venn diagram, right? You have two circles and you put them together and there's that shared space in the middle. You start doing that enough time and the shared space just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And all of a sudden there's only a couple people left, right? And one of them ends up being Joshua. Okay. So he was identified pretty much immediately. Now this is the point. This is the point I wanted to highlight to you. This is the point I think where they went, oh shit, they figured out it was Joshua. They said when they did the analysis of the data that was stolen, which came from the backup server, right? They look through and they're like, huh, it's got people's names and data in here. So you can imagine there's like a Keith Jones in there and there's a John Smith. And then there's a, basically you can imagine like a gap of where administrator Joshua would normally be if his shit was stolen, it was missing. And then it was the next person. So they looked and they were like, that's kind of weird. Everybody else's data is in here, but Joshua's is missing. And then I think that was the point where they were like, is that fucking guy? That's the guy that did this because he deleted his data, only his data from this data leak and left everybody else's in it. So in my opinion, that's what led him to Joshua in the investigation. So the investigation continues and uh, government's like, we better talk to this guy, right? I mean, that's usually what they do is they interview you first going, really hope this person tells me a lot of information. I don't have to do a lot of work. And then they sit down they're like, hey, would you like to talk to me? And they read you your Miranda rights and some people talk and some people don't talk. Joshua decides to talk, okay? And this is in the March of 2017. And apparently he lied, lied a lot. He said he was not responsible for the data theft. He was not responsible for leaking it to WikiLeaks. And he was like, I had nothing to do with that. And, you know, basically anything that they put in front of him, he was like, nope, nope, had nothing to do with that either. Nope, had nothing to do with that. And that was basically his whole um, interview up front at this point. So now when, I'm not going to go down this tangent too far, but basically once you're in a classified environment, you give up a lot of rights that a normal citizen wouldn't with respect to being searched and especially at work. But like in this case, it looks like they still, still went to the lengths of getting all the documentation that they need for search warrants and stuff like that, that they would for a normal person that didn't work in a classified environment. So in March, 2017, the government says, uh, we're pretty sure he's lying. So judge, can we go into his apartment? Um, there was an apartment in New York city. He used to live in Virginia, by the way, and this will become important. He traveled between the two 
think interstate interstate's gonna come up here in a minute but they were like hey judge uh might if we get a peek in his apartment because we think he stole a whole bunch of classified stuff and judge probably looked at whatever their probable cause was and was like yeah yeah you can get a look in there so um and this was interesting they tried first to do a covert search warrant which would be the first one that i read about i, I know they probably do them all the time but it's the first one that i've read about in this podcast that i do and they went in and they were like holy shit he's got a lot of computer stuff a whole lot of computer stuff so much computer stuff that if we were to do this covertly we'd be here forever he'd come home and he'd see us and our cover would be blown and i i immediately thought back to the sopranos scene of when they broke in and got that light in the basement and stuff like that was what i was imagining exactly that when i was reading the court documentation i was like this is that soprano scene they broke in and they were like holy shit he's got a bunch of desktops a bunch of hard drives he's got a bunch of tab oh my god we can't image all this stuff covertly right now before he gets home we got to come back with an overt search warrant which is usually what you see with normal people that don't work in the classified environment the overt search warrant where they came in and they say they announce they knock and they're like you need to stand over here while we go search the rest of your premises they do that the next day because they realize they have so much computer stuff that involved another computer another court process where they had to wake up a judge and get a different paper signed by that judge and they did and they got it and they basically came back the next day and now joshua knows that they're really searching for this classified material because they're at his apartment tearing it apart looking at all the computer pieces and devices and data that he has now he has a lot of stuff but we're going to zero in on something that the most important things here that's what i try to do e-crime bites i try to give you just the pieces you need to know he has a desktop okay think desktop not a lot of people have them. most business people have laptops nowadays so immediately if you go into a desktop i'm thinking younger generation gamer because desktops are usually used in heavy gaming you need that power or why else do you need a desktop right i don't know i mean they cost about the same and stuff but you can't carry them around so yeah when i i mean i would zero in on the desktop immediately and they do and they open it and there's this thing on there called a virtual machine and to the half of my listeners that aren't computer people you're like virtual machine what is that let me tell you really quickly and i apologize technical folks give me a second it is a machine that runs inside your physical machine and i know that was very vague but you can imagine it's software that you run on your computer that makes another operating system think it's running on a physical computer that it's not it's actually running in software so you can imagine i can set up three virtual machines on my on my physical computer and then that way maybe one is meant for software development another one's meant for um, doing my testing on a web server and then my third one is for my porn right that's what joshua did here his vm session all porn so apparently agents they went in there <clears throat> first of all the the it sounds like the disc was encrypted so they were like ah shit we can't get in there and then i'm gonna this is one of those cart before the horse things 
there's an investigation that happens where they get passwords off of his phone and physical notebooks that he has written down. Okay. Like physical paper. So basically Joshua likes to write down his passwords, different places. And then also he likes to reuse his passwords. Both of these are important. So at the point when the FBI is doing their investigation, they're like, we can't get into this hard drive. Well, we got these 18 passwords out of this book over here. Maybe they don't even know the passwords. It's like these 18 phrases. Let's try them. And they try them and eventually one of them works. And they're like, holy shit. Now we're inside this virtual machine. Now what do we do? And they look around and they go, hey, there's this other really large file over here that looks really random. And I mean random, meaning the content, the ones and zeros look literally random. Okay. And to my technical folks, that might make a little more sense because a lot of times in computer worlds, things aren't random. They are text that people can read. So immediately you look at that and you go, well, that's weird. Why would you have a really large random file? Well, to an investigator like myself, a random large file usually means encryption or compression because of reasons I'm not even going to go to, to not make my um, non-technical folks just want to tune away. But basically those are the two types of files that you would see in a very large, very random file. It's either going to be encrypted or compressed. And they ruled out right away it wasn't compressed and they go, that thing is encrypted. So they're zeroing in here at this point on a very large file. They go, it's encrypted. So uh, you guys want to try another password in that notebook? Sure. They put another password in. It worked. It opened. And they saw there was another, basically another, um, uh, like a directory structure under there. Okay. So I'm going to spare you. There's a couple layers of this that goes on where they look around and they go, hey, there's another encrypted thing. And then they go and they go back to their password list and they try another one. Another one works and they get in and eventually they get to the, if you think of the, the, the nesting dolls where you take the one doll off and there's a smaller doll inside, this is what's happening here with encrypted containers. There's another one and another one and another one inside until finally, finally they're at the files that they want to see. And you think, are you like, they got the classified information. They finally caught him. No, child porn. Lots and lots and lots of child porn. Like 3,400 images and videos of not just maybe child porn, but like definite, disturbing, horrific child porn. And if you know me from my prior episodes, I try to shield you guys from the stuff that's horrific. And this is one of the spots where I'm going to kind of fast forward in the story, not tell you about stuff on the hard drive because I read some of it and it was horrible. Let me just let you walk away with an impression of Mr. Joshua here. He likes kids, or at least he has porn with kids as young as two. And he likes images of bestiality and sadomasochism. And I say likes, just assuming he likes it because it's on his hard drive, okay? I say that, making that assumption. But it was amazing. And if you're curious, technical folks, if you're curious about what he used to encrypt it, it was actually um, encrypted VM, 
on the outside. It was an encrypted home directory on the VMware image. Inside that home directory, there were two, meaning one inside the other, Veracrypt encrypted volumes, meaning it's this big file. And once you open up the outside file, it kind of becomes this virtual hard drive. And then there's this another big file. You open up that one, it becomes another virtual hard drive. And then there's all the child porn that he put on there. So important to note that apparently Joshua was collecting this during his employment at CIA and continued to, as a court document said, quote unquote, stockpile child pornography from the dark web and Russian websites after moving to New York from Virginia. Now, I know you were like, holy shit, didn't see that coming. I didn't either. There's another crime he breaks here. And I'm, not, I'm just going to talk about this very briefly because I was like, wow. All right. Copyright infringement. So all the, all the shit they charge him at the end, copyright infringement is one of them. All right. And this happens between September of 2015 and August, 2017. And you can think he basically has this large server full of copyrighted movies and TV shows and books and stuff like that, that he probably shared with his friends and people he wanted to impress. He's like, Hey, is your server as big as mine? And he gives them a link and he's like, check out all my movies. Well, interesting in the fact that he was charged with copyright infringement, but it's interesting in the fact that it helps our investigation because there was porn on there. Okay. And it wasn't just porn. There was, child porn on there. And we know this because there was saved IRC chats. Okay. And IRC stands for internet relay chat. It's basically the very first version of your AOL IM or your Slack or your whatever your favorite, um, you know, even text messaging. I mean, it was prior to that, right? I mean, it was there a long time ago. Well, he was using it to talk to other people that is that are into child porn. Oh my God. And the, the chats are pretty horrible. I'm going to give you the ones that aren't so bad. They, that are investigatively important in this case. Now I want to start out by if you were on IRC chatting about child porn, would you use your first name? Josh did. Josh did literally use the word Josh. Okay. Later on, if when law enforcement looks and they're like, Josh, and then we're looking at the real person, Josh, holy shit, they actually match up. I mean, later on, he can't be like, hey, I used Brad. It wasn't me. It was this other guy that I know named Brad. It was literally his name. And so on January 17th of 20, uh, I'm sorry, of 2009, we have an IRC chat. And I'm going to put it on the screen for our video viewers here. And I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you and video viewers. If you wonder why I read these things, it's because I have a subset that are audio listeners only. So I try to not, I try to include them. Okay. So here we go. Josh says you can use it in an encrypted location to store data as well. Backup or, uh, I'm not sure what W slash E is. I'm sure somebody, if you know what it is, put it in the comments, but it says it's encrypted rated and you can be sure of privacy. Okay. Sounds like he's talking about computer stuff right there. Then his friend comes in and says a great place for kitty porn. Holy shit. So most, most normal people would go, Oh, what did you, did you just say kitty porn? No, 
No, I was talking about like putting putting all the Sopranos on there. I wasn't talking about kitty porn. Like, where did that come from? That's what a normal person would say. What do you think Josh said? He says, LOL, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So, yeah, like he didn't say, get the fuck out of here or anything else. He just says, LOL. So this is where the conversation just continues. His friend, go, his friend goes, or normal porn, or backups. And then Josh comes back and he says, I guess if that's what you get you off. And I read that as like, he kind of roped his friend back into the child porn conversation here. I mean, his friend kind of was like, okay, you're not in child porn. I'll talk about backups now. And then Josh is like, I guess if backups are what get you off. <laughs> and his friend's probably like, oh, oh, so you do like child porn like me. Okay, well, let's continue talking about this. So then they, um, his um, friend goes, backups and then he cracks like a nerdy joke he's like this tarball sure is hot and then josh comes back and goes lol i meant kitty porn oh my god so if you were like again if you wanted to have any type of deniability just went out the window there because josh is like yeah i meant kitty porn and then his friend goes oh yeah and then josh says just don't put something too illegal on there. And so his friend comes back and he goes, like what? And Josh says, I'd be pretty pissed off if the FBI knocked on my door and said I had terrorist plans to nuke the U.S. on my server. I got to stop there before I finish this, people. Me personally, if you were going to break into my house and I were going to have a choice of nuclear secrets and being a terrorist, or being a guy had a bunch of kitty porn. I'd take terrorists all day long, right? I mean, people will at least have a little bit of respect for a terrorist and be like, ah, oh, you had a cause. You stood up for your cause. A shitty cause, terrible cause, absolutely horrible cause, but you stood up for it. We got it. We got to commend you for that. There's no commending, no commending kitty porn at all, at all. Okay. So yeah, like his, his vision of bad is terrorist material instead of kitty porn. Okay, so the continue, continue the conversation. His friend goes, oh, well, it's all encrypted. So you could tell the FBI to shut the fuck up. And then Josh says, ha, ha, ha. Yes, well, encryptions can be broken. Oh, Josh. <laughs> Josh, Josh, Josh. You have... They can also be broken if you write down your passwords, right, Josh? Right? That's why we're that's why we're reading this IRC chat, isn't it, Josh? <laughs> it is. It's because somebody broke your password. <laughs> it is. Okay, so we have another IRC chat. Now, later on, this is March 13th of 2009. <sighs> Buckle up. This is where it gets into the kitty porn. And again, I'm not going to talk to you about the actual content here. We're just going to talk about how gross Josh and his friend are. So Josh says, it doesn't really look like kid porn to me, but I don't know. You guys decide. And then he makes a little emoji with a smiley face, stick the tongue out. Now that assumes he just looked at porn. That was probably kitty porn. And he was like, ah, that's not, that's not young enough for me. People it's not young enough. And I don't know what that means. That could be like, he looked at a 13 year old and he's like, we know he likes two year olds. So I don't know. So then 
His friend comes back, I think to kind of pacify him because this porn wasn't good enough. He says, huh, let me move to my workstation. And then another friend says, huh, okay. And then Josh comes back with this website that he posts in chat. And it's this domain, cryptm.org, C-R-Y-P-T-M.org, which I'm not even sure if the person owns it anymore that because it looked like Josh owns it from the court paperwork. And I visited it the other day and it doesn't, it looks active. And Josh, we know is not active anymore. <laughs> so I, I think somebody else owns it. So if you go there, your mileage may vary is what I'm saying. But this URL, which I'm gonna, it's on your screen. I highlighted it here. But Josh, he doesn't even try to hide his porn, man. He puts tilde Josh slash porn. So anybody that has his website link, you share this with anybody. You're like, I'm going to Josh's porn. It's in the website name, the name, the link, everything. And then his friend comes back and he's like, hey, what's up, my homies? And then his other friend goes, LOL. And then his other friend says, I probably want to SCP this. And for non-technical people, this means securely copy or basically copy something using encryption over the network so people can't see you transferring this instead of sitting it on a fucking website without encryption that you, you see there's no S up there to my technical viewers. It's just HTTP colon, no HTTP colon or no HTTP S colon. And it says Josh porn. So everybody knows you're getting Josh's porn. But if you use SCP, at least now it's kind of hidden and people don't know that you're getting Josh's porn. And that's what his friend is trying to nicely show him here. And then his other friend comes back and he goes, you have a whole folder for it? So it must must be a lot of porn. And then his other friend comes back and I, I, I think they were going to the website. And his other friend goes, dude, just secure copy it. You don't want to end up in jail. And his other friend goes, LOL. And so then Josh comes back and he goes, hey, I'll take it down in a bit. Not like they will no even know. I got to pause here. Josh again. Again, Josh, we know. We're reading it. We're reading it right in the podcast right now, Josh. That's because they busted your passwords and read your ah, backup. I explained it earlier. Anyways. So Josh thinks he's going to take it down. Nobody will know about this child porn that's up there. And so his friend goes, what's the path? Meaning, what's the new link? And then Josh says, I don't see how they could tell. And I think he's talking about people would tell that this is porn. Dear Josh, it says Josh and porn in the, the link. Don't argue with your friends. They're just looking out for your best interest at this point. His other friend comes back and goes, hey. And so then Josh comes back and shows them the path internally to the web server. And it ends up being slash home slash Josh slash HTTP, which means web to non-computer people slash porn. So he removed any doubt that, you know, it's anybody else's porn. This is Josh's porn. He claims it. So his other friend apparently probably seeing the link and going, why is Josh putting his name in the word porn in there? goes, <laughs> I don't know either. I'm not taking the risk. Uh, but which one should I watch first? And I was like, Ooh, that's fucking creepy. And his friend comes back and goes, ha ha ha. And then his other friend comes back, apparently probably looking at the porn going, rename these things for God's sake. And his other friend goes, ha, ha, ha. So he has a lot of weird friends. And I'm just reading this for the audio folks. I know, viewers, video viewers, you can see this on your screen. And then his other friend comes back in and goes, 
like it was a restaurant or some shit. I don't know what he meant by that. But then Josh comes back and says, all right, hold up. I'm renaming. So apparently he finally took his friend's advice and is like, I'm going to go back and take my name, Josh Porn, off of this. So it's not so goddamn obvious to podcasters in 2024 reading it that he is obviously sharing his porn with people. <laughs> and then because he changed his name, his friends were like, ah, God damn it. Fuck. I was looking at that. Why'd you change the name? Ah, I'm going to have to reopen a new link now. And then Josh is like, oh, okay, okay here. And he gives him a link and he goes, now try. And then his from friend comes back to make fun at him. And he goes, now I'm downloading not kitty MPG. So he's like making fun of Josh. He's like, dude, you named all this shit, terrible stuff earlier. Now what you're naming it, not kitty porn. And so Josh comes back, apparently with good sense of humor. is like, LOL. And then Josh says, dude, it looks just like regular porn, which this creeps me out. Cause that means he was looking at it and comparing it and going, oh yeah, definitely not young enough for me. Need younger, younger kids, which just grossed me out. And then his friend goes, I don't even like porn, which I call bullshit on, by the way, me, the podcaster, I call bullshit on that. You would not be in here trying to get all these links and stuff and then be like, I don't even like porn. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> and then Josh comes back and says the last little piece of this chat that just leaves you with a horrible taste in your mouth. He says, you can't even tell they're underage if they even are. Ugh. Okay, so we know Josh. Uh, he's definitely into. He's, he's come on. I mean, you got to read that and you got to know. He sounds like he's into kids. I mean, he definitely he's into kids enough to know he's looking at people that aren't kids. We know that, right? So then there's another chat in June 28th of 20. I keep doing it. <laughs> 2009. Okay, and all right. So this. This involves this domain again, that's cryptm.org domain. And basically Josh, he apparently owns this. Okay. This is the backstory I'm giving you. He's going to explain a little later, but he gives his friends ability to put their porn and other sh sh quote unquote shit, his words on the crypt, which is his domain cryptm.org. So he gave them all their own directories or facilities or ability to put their own stuff up there. And he gave them three links on there that you can see on the screen there. So then one of his friends comes back and he's like, so what's the story of this cryptem? He says, then Josh slash Sturm, which is just to Josh being the person we've been talking about Sturm being one of his friends, very weird phrasing. I don't know. I'm just going to take it. He's asking like, what is this? Where is this server? Who owns it is how I read this. And one of his friends comes back and goes, Josh started it so he could secu securely host all his child slash rape porn. Okay, so Josh, into bestiality, into children, into rape. Got it. Okay. And then Josh steps in and he says, I got tired of my old server sucking back in Lubbock. <laughs> and I hadn't built a computer in like almost six months. So I built a sweet server with three terabyte raid, etc. Stop it, Josh. Stop it. We all know you have such a big penis. <laughs> well, you don't have to tell us about your three terabyte raid. Okay. All right. His other friend comes back and he's like, nice. Where is all this stuff up there then? And then Josh comes back and gives him 
one of the links to the same website that he's been giving to him, which is again, not encrypted, doesn't have the HTTPS, it's just HTTP. And this time it's just slash data. So you don't know what data it is, right? You could look at that data and be like, that's horse betting. That's horse betting. That's completely fine. And really it's just child porn. It's all child porn. So we know some things based upon the investigation later. And I apologize. I jump around chronologically sometimes for you, but we know that in this time, he also literally Googled, went to Google and literally typed in child porn. Okay. When I say Google, I don't mean to go to some child porn search engine. I mean, literally Google. I listen, I've, I did computer investigations for decades. I don't remember ever hearing of anybody that went to Google and actually searched for child porn on Google. Usually people would go to specialized sites for that kind of thing, but Josh did. Josh went to Google and searched for child porn for his, 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 his liking. And you would go, Oh my God, that one time he did that. No, he did it multiple times. Okay. And we know this because later on investigators, they can go to services like Google and say, Hey, uh, you've got this user named Josh and we're investigating him for all other heinous shit. And we need you to pull all the records that you have for him. Could you give them to us please? And Google would say, sure. And they pull his search history and they pull his, you know, his location history. If he has an Android phone, he'd pull everything they have and they'd hand over to law enforcement assuming it fell into the parameters of the, the court order. And then law enforcement would basically get, get to see everything that Josh was doing on his phone based upon that data. So they could see he was Googling child porn. Now here's another thing we find out later on from court documentation that there was a point in time where basically you have evidence that was seized from you and time goes by and you can say, hey, I'd like to have my shit back. And then if the court's not using it, they're like, yeah, we're not using it. You can have your shit back. Well, Josh did this for his cell phone and his desktop, which his cell phone had passwords on it that I told you about earlier. And his desktop had porn on it, child porn specifically. He wanted them both returned to him. And the government rightly so was kind of like, I'm sorry, he wanted, he wanted what? He wants his cell phone and his, and his desktop with child porn, but fuck no. Why would we do that? There's child porn on there. We would never give this stuff back to him. And then the court agreed with him. So you can imagine, I've told you, oh, Josh has done a lot of stuff, okay? Copyright infringement, stealing classified secrets, sending them out to WikiLeaks, child porn. I mean, just so much stuff that I, I don't even want to read to you every single count that this guy is charged with. I'm gonna put a slide on the screen because it's 15 counts, okay? And I'm just gonna kind of categorize the different counts that he's charged with because there is so much shit this guy does that they charge him with everything that I think they can. They charge him with things like illegal gathering of national defense information. That's the classified information part. And then they charge him with sending it to WikiLeaks and this falls under things like illegal transmission of lawfully possessed national defense information. And you'd be like, Oh, that sounds pretty, that sounds pretty tough. Lawfully possessed national defense information. That's not to be confused with the next one, which is unlawfully possessed nationally national defense information because they charged him with the book, right? They charged him with the shit that he got that was under the normal circumstances of his job. And then they charged him with the shit that he got that he broke into and took that weren't 
part of the normal circumstances of his job, just to be sure. And then they, you know, they charge him with illegal transmission and attempted transmission of unlawfully possessed national defense information, which just means sending it to WikiLeaks. And then they get him on things like unauthorized access to a computer to obtain classified information. Yeah. And if you're like me, you're not a lawyer. And I read a lot of legal documents too. I like a lot of these laws and counts. And I'm like, that kind of sounds like the other one. Yep. That one sounds like the other one. So I'm sure there's some details in the actual laws, legal language that sets these things apart. But when they charge them with the titles and they kind of summarize them in the court documentation, they don't always tell you what those details are. Okay. So when I'm reading them to you, you're probably like, why this sounds exactly the same. Yeah, I agree with you. It does. It does. But they charge them with it and it's, it sounds exactly the same. So another count, count five, unauthorized access to a computer to obtain classified information. That was the one I just read to you. Count six was theft of government property. And here, this is not, this is not like he went in and stole a desk. He went in and stole data which is still government property, okay? Even though it's virtual, it's still government property. It'd be like stealing the government's intellectual property, kind of the same thing. And then there's count seven, unauthorized access of a computer to obtain information from a department or agency of the United States. Again, sounds like all the other counts. Count eight, causing transmission of a harmful computer program, code or command. Now that sounds a little different. That sounds like you hacked into something or you sent malware. And this is, this is where he, I believed, bumped up his authorization. He was, he was charged with making false statements. That was another count. Obstruction of justice, contempt of court. And I, I've already touched on a few of these things and the contempt of court and stuff like that will come later on. He was charged with receipt of child pornography, possession of child pornography, transportation of child pornography, and at the end, just to be sure, criminal copyright infringement. So with all those other motherfuckers from the 1980s that copied VHS, remember the VHS videos back when I was a kid in the 1980s and you turn on, it'd be a blue screen and be like, if you copy this, you're going to, you're going to prison for life for every charge. Well, I'm telling you, if, if Joshua, Joshua lands in jail. He's going to land in jail with all those other copyright infringement people. And they're going to be comparing notes about what type of movies that they copyright. The, the people from the eighties, they won't even know the movies that Joshua copyrighted. Right. All right. And I should say that all these counts, I had to put these together amongst a complaint and three, it was, I think it was an indictment and three superseding indictments. So four different documents, five different documents, to put all these things together to just give you the picture of all the crap they charged him with. So he comes in and like any normal case, he probably made his argument. He's like, I'm a real good guy. Please don't put me in jail until the trial, please. And the government was like, did you see all the shit that he, and the court said, um, well, we'll let him out. You know what? We let out most people before trial. We'll let him out this time. He can't get into it too much trouble. Listen, Joshua, Josh, listen to us really closely here. You cannot be on the internet and surfing porn and all this other stuff that you do. I, I, any porn, Josh, any porn, normal porn, normal adult porn. You still cannot be out there doing that. You can only be using the computer for things like your defense. 
okay? If you need to do legal law research, that type of thing, we're, we're okay with that. No porn, okay, Josh? No porn at all. And the government was like, are you, no. And Josh is like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me out. And he walked out the door. And guess what? Not too long later, Josh was re rearrested. His bail was revoked for violating those restrictions. They said, hey, uh, you used a network. And more than that, you were browsing on the dark web. You were using, you know, the Tor web browser on the dark web. Definitely not legal research, Josh. You're going to be putting back into jail now until your trial, okay? So you would think, Josh, now he's sitting in jail probably like, fuck, now I can't do anything. And they never let me do anything. And he's probably sitting in his jail cell, and he's like, I got to get into some trouble. And what's one of the things he decides to do? He fires his lawyer, okay? And he goes, what is called in the legal world, crochet. Okay, P-R-O-S-E, not S-A-Y. So Josh goes pro se, which means he is now representing himself like he's a lawyer. Now, there's going to be some sticklers who are going to say, hey, I read the thing and he had a backup lawyer. Yes, he had backup lawyers, but I read the documentation. This guy filed stuff on his own behalf, argued stuff on his own behalf. He was his own lawyer, okay? So in doing that, you can imagine as a non-lawyer, he's going to make mistakes like he had a motion for his bail hearing, something that should be very standard where he's like, here's some very standard stuff of why I shouldn't be in jail and should be out. But Josh either purposely or accidentally included classified information in his motion to the court. So he submitted to the court and the court and the government went, oh shit. And they called in the defense people and the defense people were like, yeah, yeah, that's classified. That's classified. And they went back and they were like, um, yeah, you're in trouble for that now too. Okay, buddy. And not only did he file it into the court, but he gave it to his parents, his parents. Okay. Oh gosh. And I know you're like, holy shit. What else can this guy do? Well, there's a whole bunch more. You're going to have to pause here because I'm, I'm pausing on act one. That was that was Meet Josh. Act two, which I'm going to release tomorrow, which is the prison cell search. They're going to go through his prison cell, one of his former prison cells, and they're going to find a whole bunch of shit related to this case that's also going to relate. And it's going to be amazing. And it is so much stuff that I had to break the case in half and have two acts. Act number one, which is today, and I introduced you to Josh, and act number two tomorrow, which is going to be all about the what they find in his jail cell and he's going to go to court and you're going to find out what his verdict is in here. And it's, it's kind of shocking, not shocking, but it's also kind of shocking. So come back and watch all the way to the end to find out what his sentence is. All right. If you haven't already, please like subscribe, follow whatever it is on your application that you're watching me on the positive affirmation that helps this video get in front of other people. Now, I know you're like, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. I said this on the last one and I saw a couple of people do it and I went from hundreds of views to thousands of views and it, I'm not asking for any money. That's it. If you could just like it, subscribe and reshare it. If you know that one of your friends might like this type of humor and real true crime data that I'm giving you now, granted these conversations, you got to know they're not real, right? But the data that I'm giving you, these are all real cases. 
I'm just kind of making up what they say and stuff. But I'm, I'm telling you the real things of the story while I'm doing it. If you think one of your friends like that, please share videos like this with them and hopefully they can join us every week that I do a new, new episode. So with that, I hope to see you come back tomorrow and we'll finish up this case. All right, thanks. Bye.